podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. This is Nikki. It's February 18, 2020. And let's talk about a few things. Number one, one of the growth hacks when you're learning is to find a KOL, a key opinion leader. Because there are people who know an industry very well, mostly because they're either part of that ecosystem or they're just heavily interested in that part of the business. How do you know that this person is a true KOL? They would talk incessantly about this field and they will know more than the average user so you follow them and you can learn from them and it's easily known whether they're youtubing about these things whether they love to cook every day you can watch your youtube videos they talk about games every day they talk about the cloud every day that's how you find a key opinion leader okay uh in today's articles a lot of people actually shared these good stuff to me uh, Hong Kong virus stress climbs with maids uh, nanny stranded in Manila can't go to Hong Kong uh, despite the power in global trade Filipino seamen face growing pressure um, against a lot of Vietnamese uh, Indonesians and so forth Apple won't meet their quarterly revenue target due to coronavirus these are good ones shared to me it helps give more light to the Filipino remittances. A lot of people were ex- uh, actually explaining to me that, hey, why is the Filipino peso so strong these days? And it's actually a function of two things. Um, you've got lower demand because a lot of uh, countries are shut down with the coronavirus. So there's less demand for dollars. Um, and so that makes the peso strong. However, if you can notice, because there will be less remittances coming in because of the lack of work, it will also be offset by that. So that there's low demand and low supply for both. And that's one of the consequent repercussions of the virus. Now, a lot of people are um, normally bearish, but I'd like to explain that the coronavirus isn't really um, a very big thing that you should be scared of. First and foremost, there's a lot of good things that's been happening worldwide. Uh, And I want to share actually a few things that most people... um, So I would say that you just have to be a bit neutral. You cannot be too bearish. Neither could you be too bearish. Um, I'd like to actually explain a few things. We keep on emphasizing the power of diversification. The reason why is because... Number one, um, you might notice that there are actually companies that are benefiting from coronavirus. Example, Billy. Billy Billy Anime Central logged in billions of hours because everyone, of course, is stuck in their homes watching anime, watching movies, watching shows. Some of them are watching or playing games Honor of Kings, which helps Tencent. A lot of people have been using Zoom video either to work from home uh, because remote work is conse- a consequence of coronavirus and hence it's, it's keep, it keeps on improving. 
I want to emphasize the power of diversification. I reiterate this fact. Example, I said Pepsi. When Mountain Dew stagnated, it was not a problem because they were increasing market share in Cheetos and Doritos. They grew their earnings by ensuring they owned 500 plus, plus brands. This is why I emphasize 20 stocks. This is why I explained the spaghetti sauce rule. I explained that exposures have to be scaled out, trailed flops. Take note, Pepsi bought Doritos. They brought Doritos flaming hot. They're a consumer-centric business. Coca-Cola's growth today comes from Alco-Seltzers. These are like alcohol soft drinks. They're bubbly drinks with hints of alcohol. You've got peach, you've got um, lemon, then there's like hints of soda and alcohol. So they're growing pretty good, offering um, to offset any stagnation in uncarbonated soft drinks. That's why Coke and Pepsi has been growing for decades. So I believe that most people's biggest problem is really the lack of proper diversification. So I repeat again and again, the most important thing is how much cash exposure, how much stock exposure, how much business exposure, how much property exposure. Your asset allocation is very important. When those things are done, assess again and again do I intend to buy this stock and cost average it for three years? Because selecting good names are important. While coronavirus will be a welcome correction, the big question is if we truly get a correction. I'm bullish, but I'm not also aggressively bullish. I have cash. I even have 50% cash for trading. So I understand the people's um, decision that China's the economic growth engine of the world. Uh, it's doubtful if they will be able to get back to normal soon. I wish to reiterate, number one, I'm not blind. I'm not deaf. I know there's going to be weakness in many sectors. However, I don't also believe that you have to be in a 100% cash environment. Most people who are perno- perma bears are always waiting for a crash. But the problem is that I would tell you that it is not just quantitative easing that every perma bear always wishes to blame as an excuse for why their, their bearish bets aren't materializing. Number one, there's artificial intelligence. It allows China contain the outbreak, uses ATA data to finally help. And also, I don't believe that there's such a thing as a pure, um, pure, pure bad. There's no pure good. You generally have to invest in already strong companies. Uh, Therefore, in artificial intelligence, Baidu, um, if there's that $500 million startup there that is very strong in artificial intelligence, Baidu would scoop them up, take them privately, gets bought out fast. So generally, what you want to do is invest in the strongest companies and increase that augment and increase their effectiveness. And most of the innovation happening is being ab- adopted by many companies. Example, I discussed how H&M and Kroger. So recently, um, in the last filing of Warren Buffett, he showed that, ta-da, he increased, uh, no, not increased, he bought a stake which was not there before. He bought Kroger. Remember, we bought Kroger at 21. Now, Warren Buffett is entering at 29, 28. He bought like three months ago, assuming he got in some prices at 25. So when the world knew that Kroger was bought by, Gen- by 
our dear Berkshire Hathaway, uh, our dear Warren Buffett, the stock price is now up 6% higher. And it's now hitting our utmost target of 32. We had a view that it will hit 32. Now it's trading at 29. Um, the point here is I'm happy that Mr. Warren Buffett has validated our buy call. But the reason why we like Kroger is because number one, it was automation. Because Kroger had Okado. The same reason why we said that H&M a uh, traditional retail company is turning itself around by hiring a lot of data scientists because automation is something that helps these traditional companies robots and data scientists will help in warehouse and inventory management in fact i even shared that microsoft discussed in the summit how they were using ar vr to help natuzi generate great sales it's been really impressive did you did any of you watch the video I shared? Satya Nadella was addressing his entire retail investors conference. How Microsoft has been growing, helping traditional companies. And we're talking about traditional companies like Walmart, Domino's Pizza, and the like. He wasn't talking to some uh, engineer in some company. He was talking to retail outlets to help them how cloud can be helpful to their retail businesses. And we saw this firsthand in how Microsoft has helped Walmart beat Amazon in their own cloud game. So it's important to see time and time again that today's oil is cloud computing. It is Microsoft. It is Amazon. Um, I give you statistics. Five years ago, Microsoft Azure's cloud revenues is a billion dollars. Five years after, it's $30 billion. And it's growing 40-50% year on year. Similar to how Alibaba's growth is doing. Even at that big sales, Alibaba's growing their revenues at 38% year on year. That's amazing. Um, it should be common knowledge to you, of course, if you're inside the inner circle, that cloud is a very strong industry. Um, we also want to share that, of course, with this coronavirus outbreak, healthcare is a very strong industry. CVS Health, which is a pick of ours, the pharmacy, the Mercury Drugstore of USA, um, we covered a buy at 58, it went to 75, it's now hitting at about 71. If it drops 65 to 69, we will iterate a buy there. In the numbers, CVS Health reported $66.9 billion in total revenue, $3 billion more than analyst consensus estimates. Bottom line, adjusted earnings per share was higher at $1.73 from analyst estimates as well. The benefits of CVS Health, um, the pharmacy management business processes 10% more claims, Generic drug pricing pressure has limited its revenue growth to 6%. Overall retail segment processed 5% more prescriptions and so forth. Um, CVS acquired Aetna, had 22 million members, produced just 21% of total operating income, but this rose to $3.8 billion due to um, an increase of Grow, it grew income to about 1.3%. The month spent providing care worked out to about 86% of premiums collected, which is pretty good. 
but not as, as impressive as the 82% medical benefit ratio that United Health recorded during the fourth quarter. In other words, it's okay. Um, let's discuss about a few things. This one was actually shared to me. Uh, let me read this um, quote from one of the most famous perma bears. Okay, I'll read this to you. By the crash of 1987, Bob Elliott had this huge following and was making $20,000 a speech. But then he got tired of being the market's guru. He saw the crashes at the end of the bull run and went totally negative. Even though the market recovered and kept going up, nothing could make Bob change his mind. We were at the crest of the tidal wave. The market was about to be dashed upon the rocks. There's nothing to be done. In 1989, Bob was president of the MTA, Market Technicians Association, which is the trade association for all the technical analysts in the country. He invited me to participate in a panel discussion with Paul Tudor Jones. Bob had been predicting gloom for so long that he was always slowly losing his audience. So at the meeting, I took him aside, Bob. I said to him, even if the market is going to crash, ride it until it does. Wait until it turns down and then tell them that it's going down. He would hear none of it. He was convinced that we were at the crest of the tidal wave and had gone into the lifeboat mentality. He was sitting high and dry in Gainesville, waiting for the flood. I still have tremendous respect for Bob's intellect. We didn't have much contact after that. I was a trader. I just couldn't sit and wait for the world to come to an end. In 1995, Bob sent me an autographed copy of his new book, At the Crest of the Tidal Wave. Even though the Dow was up more than 2,000 points since 1989 when I, when I told him that he should be more positive, Bob was still negative. The book was all about gloom and doom, but fascinating. Bob is truly a genius, a very persuasive writer. After reading The Crest of the Tidal Wave, one of my friends was so scared he couldn't shit for a week. But so what? The market still kept going up. As I read through the book, I kept thinking, Bob, look, this is crazy. You may be sure that you are right, but the market is never wrong. Sandbag the riverbank when you have to. Not before Wall Street doesn't want to see the emperor naked. He may be old, fat, flabby, but they don't want to know it. They want to seem regal and royal in all his majesty. And as long as they seem that way, that's the way he is. Because they keep on buying. The big ball keeps on rolling. Bob is a classic example of somebody who's sure he's right and the market's wrong. His theories are brilliant, he's smart enough to win the Nobel Prize in economics, and I hope he does someday. The market doesn't care. Bob himself has now publicly conceded that he has been wrong for so long, he has lost confidence in his ability to pick the top and until he decides that it's easier and more profitable to go with the flow, he'll remain sitting down by the lake waiting for the tidal wave. Why did I share this? I'm not a perma bear. I'm not a perma bull. But the person who always asks when is the crash happening is usually not gonna make money. I'll explain to you. Number one. Do most of you know why I took a look at Citic Securities? I recommended it at 15, a week after it's 17. Citic Securities is the private bank of China. Every wealthy Chinese client is in Citic Securities. And Citic Securities is actually 
the sentiment indicator of China's retail clients buying and selling Chinese stocks. You can focus on the virus or you can focus on what is in front of us. I'm not deaf about slowing down of economies. I'm not blind. This is why we teach people one-third sell marketplace resistance. One-third set your trail stop. One-third tight trail stop. One-third wide. Guess what? In the last six months, our picks are up 50 to 70%, outperforming the S&P who's only up 10-20%. It's not as if in the last three to six months, even without the coronavirus, we had the best headlines. We did it. People talked about recession, about elections, all sorts of things that you want to talk about. Trade war, congressional big breakup of tech, and so forth. Example. Tencent today is at $413 resistance. If you want to trim one-third now, it's called prudent risk management. Wide stop at $380. Sell if it gets there. Sell again, tight stop if it breaks $400. All of these are automated. That's the beauty of global investing. Use trail stops. You can make it work. Just make rational decisions. Okay. Again. Good morning, this is Nikki Yu, and you're listening to the Faceless Trader Podcast. It's February 19, 2020, and today's podcast will delve on a lot of things, particularly NVIDIA's earnings report. So NVIDIA had a, a very, I would say, a 10 over 10 earnings report. I'd like to highlight some, some of the things in their transcript that really made a mark in my view. So let me read about their comments on their Nintendo. The second part of our business that is changing in gaming is the amount of notebook sales and the success of Nintendo Switch. This has really changed the profile of our overall gaming business. Our notebook business, as Colette mentioned earlier, has seen double-digit growth for eight consecutive quarters, and this is unquestionably a new gaming category, like it's a new game console. This reason is going to be the largest game console in the world, I believe. And for this reason, there are more people with laptops than there are of any other device. And so the fact that we've been able to get RTX into a thin and light notebook, a thin and light notebook is really a breakthrough. And it's one of the reasons why we are seeing such great success in the notebook sales. Between the notebook business and our Nintendo Switch business, the profile of gaming overall has changed and has become more seasonal. It has become more seasonal because device systems like notebooks and Switch are built largely in Q2 and Q3. And as they build largely in Q2 and Q3, it takes a while to build them, ship them around, put them into hubs around the world, and they tend to build it ahead of the holiday season. This is why Q3 always tends to be larger, and Q4 will tend to be more seasonal, and Q1 will tend to be more seasonal than the past. But in the end, the demand is fantastic. RTX is doing great, and part of it is really a result of the success of our notebooks. That's one of the comments that I want to share, uh, because recently I remember that there's a news report that Nintendo Switch is getting getting a delay, um, and some people are um, planning to think that, okay, so since the Switch sales are going to decline, then um, there should be a slow impact uh, down, down tick on Nintendo. In which case, I would say that if Nintendo goes down near 36,000 yen, we have a buy. 
I also want to share a few things out of NVIDIA's earnings transcripts that really made me say wow. I'll point out the most important highlights. Number one, they said Q4 revenue was $3.11 billion. This is up 41% year-on-year and up 3% sequentially, sequentially, well above our outlook reflecting upside in our data center and gaming businesses. Full-year revenue was $10.9 billion, down 7%. We recovered from the excess channel inventory in gaming and um, earlier paused in hyperscale spending and exited the year with great momentum. Starting with gaming, revenue of $1.49 billion was up 56% year-on-year. Full-year gaming revenue was $5.52 billion, down 12% from our prior year. We enjoyed strong demand for our desktop and notebook GPUs. Let me give you some more details. Our gaming lineup was well-positioned for the holidays with unique ray tracing capabilities of our RTX GPUs, incredible performance at every price point. From Singles Day shopping event in China through Christmas season in the West, channel demand was so strong for our entire stack. Fueling this were games like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, continued esports momentum, and new RTX Super products. Also, the price points were as low as $299, which is the sweet spot for PC gamers who want ray tracing. Gaming is thriving, and the gamers prefer GeForce. The global phenomenon of esports league gaming momentum, with an audience now exceeding 440 million, is up over 30% in just two years. The League of Legends World Championship brought more than 100 million viewers on par with this month's Super Bowl. Um, let me just define a few companies that he mentioned. Call of Duty is owned by Tencent and Activision Blizzard. Uh, League of Legends also distributed by Tencent and C-Limited. All of these are also biased in our uh, gaming category. Uh, for the viewing, for the viewership, it's important to also know two of our picks, which is Huya and Africa TV. Okay, so let's continue. Ray tracing titles continue to come to the market, and GeForce RTX GPUs are the only ones that support this important technology. Only, highlight, emphasize, only. This quarter, Wolfenstein Youngblood and Deliver Us the Moon were the latest titles to support ray tracing as well as NVIDIA's deep learning super sampling technique, which also uses AI to boost performance. With the proliferation of RTX-enabled games in our best-ever top-to-bottom performance, we are solidly into the Turing architecture upgrade cycle. Gamers continue to move to higher-end GPUs, seeking better performance and support for ray tracing. Okay, um, so he mentioned some some things about like Activision. Uh, we rec- we recall that we had a buy on Activision at forty-five. During the China Tea, when there was the Blitzchung event, if you remember that, the China-Hong Kong war about the Tibetans, the Mongolians, the Mongo- and all those things, um, Chinese-Hong Kong protests. Uh, even during that problem, Activision maintained a higher low of 52. Uh, Activision is now trading at about $63. We expect that if there are any corrections, that the pullback would be limited only to 58 to 59 we have a solid view that Activision will continue its strength this year, uh, hitting about $70 to $75 for year-end. Also, um, as they say, I want to share something about NVIDIA's partnership with Tencent. Uh, this, reiter- this only reiterates our bullish outlook on both of these companies. Let me read to you this GeForce Gaming. 
Uh, first and for- foremost, GeForce Now is the first cloud gaming service to deliver ray trace games for only $5 a month. It's, only, it's the only open platform so that the gamers can enjoy the games they already have and use their existing store accounts to, without having to repurchase games. GeForce now enables PC, Macs, Windows, PCs, TVs, mobile devices, and soon Chromebooks. GeForce now has a tremendous business model because it's a freemium. It has two membership plans, a free membership with standard access and the founders tier with a starting price of $5 per month, giving priority access and RTX ray tracing support. Our goal with GeForce now is to expand GeForce gaming to more gamers. About 80% About 80% of GeForce Now gamers are playing on underpowered PC devices with Mac OS or Android. But with GeForce Now, they're able to enjoy PC gaming on a GeForce GPU in the cloud. GeForce Now can expand GeForce well beyond the roughly 200 million gamers that we are currently reaching today. Separately, we entered into a collaboration with Tencent, the world's largest gaming platform, to bring PC gaming into the cloud to China the world's largest gaming market. NVIDIA GPU technology will power Tencent's Start Cloud Gaming service, service which is in the early testing stages. Um, I want to share as well that they said a while ago that notebooks, meaning gaming laptops, has po- posted double-digit year-on-year growth, emphasized for eight consecutive quarters. This continues to grow, expanding from the thin light form factors with really wonderful graphics performance this holiday season retailers has stacked a record has stocked a record 125 gaming laptops based on nvidia's gpus this is up from 94 last year with our max q designs up 200 percent at ces we launched the world's first 14 inch geforce rtx laptop with asus We continue to expand our studio lineup of laptops for the fast-growing population of freelance creators, designers, and YouTubers with 13 new RTX studio systems introduced at CES, Consumer Electronics Show. Powered by Turing GPUs, these systems are optimized for over 55 creative and design applications with RTX-accelerated ray tracing and or AI. So if you're listening carefully, what this means is that if you have a friend who loves gaming, chances are they are buying a laptop uh, which has NVIDIA inside. Uh, So it's not Intel, it's NVIDIA inside. And then also if you have a creative friend or, you know, any YouTube blogger, vlogger there, she's probably using uh, an NVIDIA laptop as well. So that's important for you to know. Um... Let's, uh, let's also assess the customers that uh, NVIDIA has. This is something that I want to share. Uh, I said that NVIDIA's upside comes from cloud, uh, data centers, and gaming. So it's a very important thing that I should highlight that NVIDIA's customers are Microsoft, Amazon, Pinterest, Twitter, Snapchat, PayPal, American Express, Domino's Pizza, Walmart, in fact, Microsoft highlighted NVIDIA GPU, citing inference throughput increase of 800 times with the NVIDIA GPX2. Yes, ganyan lang talaga kalupit. They even mentioned 400% increase 
using the T4 inference platform. Let me read this for you. In the data center front, revenue was a record $968 million, up 43% year-on-year and up 33% sequentially. This is our strongest ever sequential growth in dollar terms. Full-year fiscal 2020, this data center revenue was a record $2.98 billion, up 2% from the prior year. This strong growth was fueled by hyperscale and vertical industry and customers. Hyperscale demand was driven by purchases of both our training, inference product in support of key AI workloads, such as natural language understanding, conversational AI, and deep recommendations. Hyperscale demand was also driven by cloud computing. AWS, Amazon Web Services, now takes the T4 available in every region. This underscores the versatility of the T4, which excels at a wide array of high-performance computing workloads, including AI inference, cloud gaming, rendering, and virtual desktop. Vertical industry growth was driven primarily by consumer internet companies. Other verticals such as retail, healthcare, logistics growth continue to grow from early-stage build-outs with strong refoundation of deep learning engagements. And we see an expanding set of opportunities such as high-performance computing, data science, and edge computing applications. T4, our inference platform, has another strong quarter. Shipments are up four times or 400% year-on-year, driven by public cloud deployments as well as Edge AI video analytics application. T4 and V100 reflect strong demand for inference and training, respectfully setting records this quarter for both shipments and revenue. IVA's NVIDIA remains the leading platform for AI model training. NVIDIA's inference platform is gaining wide use by some of the world's leading enterprise and consumer internet companies, including American Express, Microsoft, PayPal, Pinterest, Snapchat, and Twitter. Industry continues to do groundbreaking AI work for NVIDIA. For example, Microsoft's biggest quality improvements made over the past year in its search engine stem from the use of NVIDIA GPUs and software for training and inference of its natural language understanding models. These DNA transformer models, popularized by BERT, have computational requirements for training that are in the order of magnitude higher than earlier image-based models. Conversational AI is a major new workload requiring GPUs for inference to achieve high throughput within the desired low latency. Indeed, Microsoft cited an inference throughput increase of up to 800 times on NVIDIA GPUs compared with CPUs enabling it to serve over 1 million BERT inferences per second worldwide. And just this week, Microsoft researchers announced a new breakthrough in natural language processing with the largest ever publicized model trained on NVIDIA DGX2. This advances the state-of-the-art um, AI assistance in tasks, such as answering questions, summarization, and natural language generation. Let me uh, also highlight that Q4 GAAP gross margins was 64.9% and non-GAAP was 65.4%, up sequentially largely reflecting a higher contribution of data center products. Q4 operating expense was $1.02 billion, non-GAAP operating expenses were $810 million, up 12% and 7% year-on-year growth respectively. 
So as you could see, the best trends is captured in one name. Data centers, cloud computing, gaming, automotive, automotive self-driving, artificial intelligence. These are five major secular trends that we give this company a 10 over 10 earnings report. One of the most exciting um, verticals is logistics. So logistics, whether it's retail, warehousing, uh, as of the last quarter, USPS, American Express, and Walmart are large companies who have enormous amounts of data and they're doing data analytics on it and predictive data analytics. Hence, they are clients of NVIDIA. Also, in Europe, an energy company, ENI, announced that the world's fastest industrial supercomputer is based on NVIDIA's GPUs. Also, Domino's, which is a customer of NVIDIA, has been using the platform for deep learning and data science applications to help with customer engagement and order accuracy prediction. More broadly, in retail, we have seen a significant increase in the adoption of NVIDIA's edge computing offerings by large retailers for powering AI, reducing shrinkage, optimizing logistics, and creating operational efficiencies. Uh, on the automotive side, this is actually one of their uh, weakest, if you could call it weakest, because it's flat. Uh, but these are kind of great. The full year is up 9% on the automotive, which is still a full year revenue of $700 million. Drive OGX Orin, this is the next generation platform for autonomous vehicles and robots, powered by our new Orin SoC, delivered nearly seven times the performance of the previous generation Savior SoC. This platform scales from level 2 plus AI-assisted driving up to level 5 fully driverless operation. Orin is software-defined, compatible with Savior, allowing developers to leverage their investment across multiple product generations. So, last Thursday, NVIDIA not only beat Wall Street earnings estimates for the quarter, but really they reported $140 million in data center revenue more than the street had expected, reaching a record that creeps towards a billion dollars in quarterly sales. Additionally, the company's outlook uh, for the first quarter has topped all the estimates, even if NVIDIA lowered their expectations for the tailwind from the, uh, from the headwinds from coronavirus COVID-19. Across the board, there's little uh, to say uh, that was wrong. Everything was just crushing expectations. Um, NVIDIA is the poster child for this tectonic shift in computing, processing, Internet of Things, computing, monetizing the big data and AI. So there's really not much competition for NVIDIA in this space. Uh, due largely because it has these libraries to begin with. Uh, we also know that um, these exceptionally strong data center growth uh, is expected to continue all the way for probably until Q2 um, quarter. Uh, in any case, uh, NVIDIA is an outperformance well-deserved. And in one of the Q&As, uh, the CEO Jensen Huang actually said this about the GeForce Now partnership with Tencent. Let me read it to you. Tencent is the world's largest publisher. China represents about one-third of the world's gaming. Transitioning this to the cloud is going to be a long-term journey. And the reason for this is because internet connection is not consistent throughout the entire market. A lot of applications still needs to be onboarded and we are working very closely with them. 
we're super enthusiastic about it. And if we are successful long term, we're talking about an extra 1 billion gamers and that we might be able to reach. And so I think this is an exciting long term journey. So now here in the West, we've had a lot more opportunity to refine the connections around the world, working through data centers, local hubs, people's Wi-Fi routers at home. And as you know, here in the West, our platform is open. We have several hundred games now. We're in the process of onboarding another 1,500 games. We are the only cloud platform that's based on Windows, and it allows us to bring to PC, uh, the PC games to the cloud. And so the reach is huge. We have had more experience in the West, and we obviously have a lot more games that we can onboard. But with this partnership with Tencent, we are super enthusiastic. Overall, our GeForce Now, you've seen the launch, the reception has been fantastic, the reviews has been fantastic. Our strategy has three components. GeForce Now is something that we provide ourselves. We are allied with telcos around the world to reach the regions around the world that we don't have a presence in. And this is going super well and I'm excited about that. Lastly, with a partnership like Tencent who's also a publisher, we offer them our platform and with a great deal of software and engineering, a lot of things can be done in collaboration to this to refine this service. So actually, um, NVIDIA, our target is for it to keep on going all-time highs. Last night, NVIDIA hit 296. Um, I was suggesting that people who have NVIDIA can continue to buy more at 280 to 290. Uh, we see the company hitting at about 350 to about 400. If you can wait for another year or so, we believe that there's this strong growth in the company and uh, you, you should just keep on holding uh, these shares. Um, let me also explain a few things that um, that I believe that you should know. So since there's a huge coronavirus that's already hitting 1,880 plus deaths, I want to share that China actually has implemented contactless pickup and delivery. Uh, McDonald's has done this. Um, they deliver Big Macs, fries, and other menu items across the China. Um, where customers will order remotely through mobile phones or computers at home. Employees will seal the meal in bags, put it in a special spot for pickup without human contact. Uh, delivery orders are done like this. Drivers drop the packages in the building entrance, disinfect their delivery bags, wash their hands more frequently. Drivers carry an ID card showing that they are the people who made and packaged their food and had their body temperature scanned to prove that they do not have a fever. Um, with all these measures, uh, McDonald's said that they are preventing any uh, of the flu-like virus that has infected more than 70,000 people globally. So major Chinese cities are still resembling, resembling like ghost towns, uh, but they believe that the delivery platform uh, wherein everything is handled by Meituan Tianping uh, should be able to serve the needs. Uh, all of these deliveries are contactless. Starbucks also suggests that their customers should order their coffee via their app. Um, we have a buy reco on Luckin Coffee. Last night, Luckin Coffee broke the $40 mark. Actually, all of our picks have been doing well last night. I should explain why Telaria broke out to all-time highs. But for this podcast, I'll probably share just um, a few of the important names that we are covering that would be posting earnings within the next two weeks. 
So February 25, 2020, Infinera, which is a pick of ours, is also gonna report earnings. Who is Infinera? It's our connected TV pick, pick as well. They are a global supplier of innovative networking solutions, enabling carriers, cloud operators, governments, and enterprises to scale their network bandwidth, accelerate service innovation, and automate network operations. Infinera's end-to-end packet optical portfolio delivers industry-leading economics and performance in long-haul subsea data center, interconnect, and metro transport applications. Um, I want to share as well a few things to the Tesla Bulls. So a couple of things to know about the Tesla cars. Actually, I should explain the battery makers t- today or later in another podcast. I need to explain Ballard, uh, B- BLDP. Fuel, fuel cell, FCEL, and plug, PLUG. We'll define about the batteries uh, later within the day or in another podcast. But let me read these things to you. So Tesla has been bringing the software support philosophy to the auto industry by making their vehicles capable of accepting over-the-air updates. The company has regularly deployed software updates, adding new functions, improving driving range, even making their car accelerate faster, mostly at no additional charge to the customer. Up to this point, Tesla has been so far the most software-defined vehicle ever produced, six years ahead of Toyota, according to an engineer. A customer can pay to add the autopilot driving assist features to a three-year-old car car with an in-app purchase and uh, over-the-air update because the hardware to accept those updates was built in at the factory. Although ongoing software support and updates are nice to have for your info system, they will be essential for auto, uh, auto, automated vehicles. These vehicles are also going to require regular servicing such as testing, recalibration of sensors. Today, when you are a car owner, you need to replace an out-of-warranty part on your car. This will probably more likely go to a discount auto parts store or garage and have the service done with third-party generic parts at a fraction of the cost. So um, just wanted to share that um, the transportation system before is something like this. In the old, we've designed a way wherein we are powered by fossil fuels that pollute our air, decongest, uh, congesting our seat- cities to the point of inciting rage, road rage with its users, with human operators very fallible, killing more than a million people around the world every year. And most of the time, this equipment will be parked, occupying prime real estate, driving up housing costs. So if you're young, old, living with a disability, um, you have a problem with the car. And this privilege of cars are costing you $9,000 at least a year, sucking up your life. And that is the state that we are in. The human-driven, fallible, gasoline-powered, single-occupant car. That's our primary mode of transportation. In the future, which is around 2020 to 2025, um, actually that future is happening in some countries already, not just in, uh, it's not really that too far, uh, it's, it's now, yeah. So for instance, in, in, in our studies, uh, there's really a lot of winners, not just Tesla. So I'll read to you why I think that General Motors may not be a, a dinosaur that would die. Uh, why? Because General Motors has also built the world's most advanced self-driving vehicle to safely connect with people in the world. That is the cruise, GM's cruise. 
So, of course, I know that there are Tesla fans who believe that only Tesla will win. But remember that you want to have a taxi that isn't as expensive as Tesla. And that's how, uh, that's how GM Cruise uh, is positioning itself. Uh, these are robot taxis. There are also like uh, robot trucks that's happening worldwide. Uh, there will never be another human driver in Uber raping a girl. There will never be another human person killing a pedestrian because robots don't kill and robots don't rape. Only humans do. So hopefully we can eradicate that in the next few years. Um, I want to also share so that... Uh, let me see. So in Cruise, which is GM, it's our mission to improve safety, removing the human driver, reducing emissions by being all electric, reducing congestion by making shared rides more compelling, by providing an awesome experience at a radically lower cost. Only then will we be truly move up beyond the car to the transportation system that we deserve. One that's safer, more affordable, and better for us, for our cities, and for our planet. So, I am a believer of GM Cruise. I'm also a believer of Aptiv. Aptiv is APTV. Uh, we have Aptiv in our inner circle picks. This is a stock that went from 15 to 100 in about 7 years. So, you want to get this at 80 below uh, for Aptiv. It's also a self-driving car. It's a robot taxi that allows Lyft to essentially use machine learning and artificial intelligence. Aptiv will also have a report coming out today 8 p.m february 19 this wednesday they will be presenting in barclays industrial select conference talking about their um lift taxis or active taxis so active is a global technology company developing safer greener more connected solutions enabling the future of mobility so in my view hindi solo ni tesla yung driverless future kasi maraming panalo the world only sees one but i really see multiple winners so I like Aptiv as well. Uh, robot taxis are the future. Uh, you can watch the videos inside the inner circle. I shared a lot of the articles and videos para ma-impress din kayo. So um, to summarize, we like Nintendo 36,000 yen. I like BYD electric cars at about 44 to 45. I would prefer you to buy Nvidia if there's more entries at 280 to 290 add again. Aptiv 75 to 82, uh, I love it, so buy more, uh, buy, uh, initiate a position. So, um, if you notice, all the cars have really upped their game. If there's one thing that Elon Musk has achieved, he frightened all the car companies that they would go extinct, that every one of them has um, fully invested in electric seven years ago. So, it's not as if like they only invested in it like a year ago. So you can see that artificial intelligence is a ten-year-old, ten-year-old um, trend, and um, it's only now that we are seeing the applications being commercialized. Uh, Aptiv is a global tech company, industry leader in vertical ve uh, in vehicle architecture. Uh, the portfolio in key growth spaces addresses mobility, toughest challenges, meeting consumer needs for advanced technologies. Relentless focus on execution, delivering results, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, yun nga. Tapos, this week, nag-reporting favorite company natin na si Telaria. Malakas earnings. Uh, it's now all-time highs. 12.9. I'll discuss na lang Telaria and other earnings in another podcast. Tapos, congrats sa lahat ng mga Zoom bulls. We 